All right. So wanted to uh, just introduce uh, our, our new friend, Steve. Uh, Steve is going to, you know, present today. Steve's part of um, a group. You know, you're with City on a Hill Church. Yep. And, and that was the church that Tom and Mindy were from originally, right? Before New Hampshire? No. No. Just visited? Just visited. Okay. And so they had a cool prophecy that you guys shared with us a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, so I know, I, I know that they're a cool church, right? I mean, they're, they're like, they follow the Holy Spirit and they push people to become better, right? And so those two ingredients together equal kingdom of God at work, right? And so we're really excited to just invite Steve. Uh, now, Steve's on vacation. And so the, the, just the fact that he's coming here to do this on his vacation says a lot, okay? Now, I understand why he picked this church out of all the other churches in the area. So let me be clear. You made the right decision. Um, <laughs> why don't you come on up before I say something stupid? Um, now, you're tall, so it would be better to preach on the, on the floor, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, nice. Kick it off. Go from there. Thank you. I was very nervous all week long about this. And then I was starting to like go through my head. Uh, I know everybody here. And then in worship, I'm looking around, and I'm like, I actually don't. <laughs> um, I wanted to say thank you to the church uh, and Pastor Darrell for allowing this ministry to work to take place. Um, and the importance to follow God's plans with our family. I consider you guys all family, and, and I wouldn't be here for a few people here today, so I think you know who you are. <clears throat> um, God's been in my whole life since day one. Uh, I can remember younger feelings, just small things, but I remember, and they'll never go away. Um, I grew up down in Mass, and um, I grew up in an Episcopalian church. So it was great. I mean, everything was fine. I didn't know anything better. Uh, I was actually confirmed twice. So that's kind of a funny thing because no one, I don't think, in my lifetime has ever done that. No one's ever said, hey, I, I've done that too. Um, but for me, and per, for personal reasons, I did it for, for God. Um, and growing up, we all had family issues, just like everybody else has family issues. And, um, we, you know, drugs, alcohol, personally, child abuse for me. And um, so there was just hurdles that I've had to overcome through the years. And it's taken a long time, but it's happening. I met my wife, Mindy, in 2009. And so that we're in 2022, so it's been a little while. It's been a while. Um, we were married in 2012, and we're, here we are. <clears throat> I met Stephen Kelly probably 2010. And right off the bat, you know, I just want to say thank you guys. Um, the word grace comes into play here for them, especially Kelly, but Steve too. Kelly actually taught me or showed me what grace is. Because of my problems in my past... I was led astray for a long time of my life, long time, you know, probably I would say 18 to 32. 
Um, it was just not a good life. I wasn't living good. I wasn't living in the Lord. Um, it just wasn't doing the right things. I, and I, I was led astray. I was that sheep, I guess. <clears throat> I was living a secret life. And I was hiding. I was, I was lies, deceit. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. All right. Um, on the 30th, I'm actually going to be baptized again. It's important to say because actually uh, the Heaths play a part into this. I, um, I helped build slash wire their pool. And at the time, I had just started coming here. And they were somewhere else. And for all these little things to come around, they were at a different church. Um, we talked about church. We did. Um, but I wasn't comfortable in being like, hey, well, why don't you come to our church? Like, I just wasn't there yet, you know? And so that's, it's just cool because it's another, it's just another coincidence. There are no coincidences. That's pretty much the theme of my whole thing here today. There are no coincidences. And if you look back at some point in your life and you think, hey, you know, you start looking at all these things that culminate to a point of, here I am today. Um, but <clears throat> 2017, hardest year of my life. Um, I was just starting a business. For some reason, it was on my heart to start a business. I don't know why. Um, but it was going on. Mindy and I were just having the hardest time of our life. Um, she actually moved out at one point. Um, and by the grace of God and through Kelly and Steve, we worked hard to remain together as a team in the Lord. Um, at that time when she was gone, she actually went and visited uh, with Kelly, Steve's parents. <clears throat> Val is Steve's mom and Steve is Steve's dad. And Val decided to lay hands on Mindy and pray for her and us. And Val had a word on her heart that she needed to find us a new church. Um, she looked, she, you know, she just did a quick little search and she found River of Life online, told Mindy we should go there. On the website, Unbound is part of their website. Uh, Mindy looked it up, she sent an email out. Um, Adam wrote back a sweet email. And I was like, yep, let's go. Um, right around the same time, I also did an intensive Christian program down in Kentucky called Bethesda. And it's for sexual addiction. <clears throat> and there I learned Jesus' plans for me, you know, forgiveness and surrendering the past life to him. Um, between Bethesda is in Kentucky, uh, Cincinnati is right above it. So, you know, I don't even know that. I, I just, I, I didn't know. So we said, all right, let's drive up. We'll see Kelly and Steve. And we went to City on a Hill. And they did. They warned us, it might be different for you. And it sure was. Um, the way I like to describe it is River of Life on steroids. <laughs> it's not a mega church um, by any means, but... I instantly felt the presence of the Holy Spirit upon walking in the door. We had an altar call. Men were falling down. I didn't know what to think. And we went up anyway. Steve led the way. I wasn't going alone up there. Steve said, let's go. 
And I found myself standing in front of this person named Pastor Billy. And he spent a good amount of time praying over me, more than most of the other people. And I could feel the Holy Spirit in me that day, clear as anything. He told me I would be used for the glory of God, and since then I've wondered how. So preparing for this moment, now we're fast forward in 2019, I've just begun my journey. I quit all my extracurricular activities, rotary clubs, sports, hunting, fishing, everything, gone. Just wiped it out because I wanted to be closer with the Lord and I figured I can use my time better than what I'm doing now. So during this time, we stayed in touch with City on a Hill through Stephen Kelly. We heard and listened to so many testimonies, how people's lives were changed through their program called Heritage House and the rallies called Hope Over Heroin, which connected me back to my brother, Charlie. He doesn't even live an hour away from them in Cincinnati. He lives in Columbus. This is in Cincinnati. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, let's get this done. Ultimately, it didn't happen, and that's okay. Um, and since then, I've been listening to Cody, good friend of Stephen Kelly's, and I just instantly felt connected to him for the same reasons. God, use, God is using him. So the, again, bringing it back to the coincidences, you just got to think of all these little, little things, and then it's like, wait, that's not coincidence. This is my plan. This is God's plan for me. And it's just sweet. Um, we can all take what he's about to say further. Um, and that's what he's here to talk to you guys about. Um, through all the things God's put into place in my life, the good little tidbits and the very dark times that I walked through, there was no coincidence that led me to this moment. Stand up, surrender, and see what the Holy Spirit has in store. So thank you, brothers and sisters, for accepting us, Mindy and I, into the family with Sean in this judgment-free, Holy Spirit-filled church. I meant to give you a hug. I'm sorry. I should have hugged you. I love you, buddy. Well, it's an honor to be here. Appreciate um, Tom and Mindy and that uh, little bit of a history. I, I have a loud, booming voice, though. I can do it. No, I got you. All right. So let's start that again. Think about your story. If you're streaming, we can speak to the people. My mom stream. Hi, mom. By the way, my mom's got high standards for churches, okay? Let me just say that. So when she was searching the internet for, for the church, she's got high standards for, for Tom and Mindy to end up here. So think about your, your story and how you got here and those detours and the path that you took here. And then Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, making disciples. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Kelly and my story. That's my wife. Um, and the path that we took. We're from the area. I'm from North Reading. She's from Andover. Um, we got called out to Cincinnati about six years ago. I grew up in the church. She didn't. Um, I went and played minor league baseball for eight years. Uh, I grew up. I mean, I've been a Christian since I was born. Grew up in the church. But then in my 20s, my 20s, were probably identified by me going and finding my own way, right? Going and doing my own thing, living my own dream, which was to be a Major League Baseball player. And I spent my 20s doing that. 
and I almost made it. I was made it up to AAA. I almost lived my dream. And then I met Kelly, and she was like, you're actually not that good. You're actually not as good as you think. Maybe you should move on from this thing. This was after she saw me play a little bit. It wasn't right away. But somewhere along the way, there was a year when I was in AAA, the year that I thought I was going to be in San Francisco playing for the Giants, I was in AAA, and we went to a church because uh, we were playing in Nashville, my old buddies. Uh, Uncle has a church down there, and we had a night game, so we got to go to church in the morning. She was in visiting, and Kelly's life got radically changed on a Sunday morning in 2009 in August when if I was living my dream properly, I would have been in San Francisco. But instead, I was in Fresno, and we were traveling to Nashville, and we were in Nashville for such a time as that so that her life could be radically changed. And then th something happened in her where she just kept pulling me along. It was kind of the wrong way around. The person who grew up in church the whole time, the person who was you know, kind of out doing her own thing, and she kind of started dragging me along. And we started going to church at a church in Chelmsford. And again, I'm gonna try to keep it a little bit tight, but long story short, we end up in Cincinnati as I work in football. My company got bought by Chris Collinsworth. He lives in Cincinnati, and he moves us out to Cincinnati. And at this time, we want to go to church. We want to do our thing. We want to, you know, show up, do the Sunday thing. And so we found the local mega church, seven minutes from my house, really convenient. And we did that for a few years, uh, for a couple of years, whatever it was. Um, right around that time that Tom came out, we had found City on a Hill. And it's again because Kelly wanted more. There was something else that she wanted. She actually really wanted to feel the Holy Spirit. She didn't want to just go through the motions of showing up on a Sunday, getting yours, and then going. And that is the American church far too much right now. You show up, you get yours, and you go. And when you're looking for your church, it's like, I, I, I hope I like the music. I hope the pastor says the things I want him to say. I, I, I don't like the people. They're too old. They're too young. They're too, they have too many tattoos, whatever it might be, you know? That's how people pick churches these days. But thankfully, my wife went and said, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more. And she found a, found a friend that eventually invited her to this place called City on a Hill. And this is the kind of church that I grew up with, up in, over in Woburn, All right? So this is what I knew, which was the power of the Holy Spirit and seeing lives changed. And the thing that got me, and part of the reason why I think I walked away, is I saw people from my youth group and people who uh, walked away from the faith or went their own way or did their thing, and we were lacking fruit. There was fruit lacking in this church that I grew up in, and it put a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth. Where was the fruit? So when I walked into this church, City on a Hill in Cincinnati, I looked over to a side of the church, and there were all these men who looked absolutely desperate for something. And when the music played, they rushed the altar, and they just needed something. They were desperate. And these are the men who are part of this program called Heritage House. And it's an addiction recovery program. And you saw, when you walked into this church, you saw the fruit of what they were doing immediately. So I was drawn to that. 
I was drawn to that immediately. I remember driving home with, with Kelly and she said, what do you think? I was like, I, I mean, first off, I hadn't heard preaching like that in a while. I hadn't heard the music like that in a while. I hadn't felt the presence like that in a while. But I said, we have to be a part of that. Something in me changed from complacency to I have to be a part of that. And that's going to be a big part of what I want to talk about here as well. Now, let me get to my notes. I want to give you a little bit about what's actually happening with this, with this program and how we're seeing lives changed. We did become a part of it. We are, uh, we've put together a documentary that is uh, showing exactly what's happening in these men's lives. And uh, one of the lines in that documentary is our Pastor Billy who says, don't be ashamed of the detours when it just brought you to the greatest moment of your life. Because there are men, he, uh, Cody mentioned, uh, Tom, Tom mentioned Cody, our friend, he's on Facebook. He's, my friend Cody, man, you gotta hear this story. So it's all over at Hope Over America. I'll get to some of the details where you can find this documentary, but I, wanna, I want you to hear the stories of my friends here. My friend Cody, who was addicted since he was 12. I mean, these stories are insane. He was 12 years old when he first started doing drugs, and it was at the funeral of his one-year-old sister. He grew up in a life of addiction, didn't have parents who were sober at any point until his dad got radically changed in jail and came back and preached the gospel to him. And Cody went through, it was 10 total drug treatment programs. And this is the story we hear over and over again. Drug treatment programs, I've been to 10, I've been to 15. One guy's been to 40, 40 drug treatment programs. And they push him out and they send them on their way and it's like, all right, you did your time, go get them. And they say, you know what, you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna relapse, but you know, we'll, we'll deal with that. So they've all been through all these programs, but Cody stepped out and said, the buck stops with me, this is it. And now he's preaching the gospel. He's been doing it for six years. He's got a family, and he is a powerful minister of the gospel. He runs Heritage House. I'm going to, um, let's play that first video, because I want to get a little bit of the background here, the one that says Pastor PB. I want to get a little bit of the background of what we have working here. We are big believers in a remnant of God or a sample of the society and just one out of a million that can possibly make it because really the stats and the numbers for uh, the opiate crisis, the, uh, the overdose crisis is the fact that if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And so we still see 60 to 70,000 people dying, dying every year from, from drug, drug overdose, overdose. We, we know, know that, that we have a very small window and a very small opportunity to be able to, able to reach uh, another, another young man. man. So, so as, as Pastor, Pastor Billy, Billy felt, felt a desire, desire to, to do residential, residential care, care, we, we just, just started, started to learn that, that although, although there's, there's so many things, things we don't know, know we're going to Look at Look every, every single, single guy, guy as if he's, he's our, our own, own son. son. By 2011, 2011 we had already begun to amass what would what become, become 
Hope Over Hair, as, as far as equipment, equipment which, which is what's powered, powered every single one of the Hope Over Hair ones that have happened. Now, now, Hope, Hope over, over Heroin, heroin wants, wants to help give addicts, addicts the treatment they need. They need. Right, now, right now, not under size, Jay Warren is at a weekend, weekend rally in Florence. In Florence. He, joins he joins us live, live with what's being done for those in urgent, urgent need of help. help. Jay? Well, yes, well, yes, and that, that help, help is, is here, here at, at uh, Heritage, Heritage Fellowship, Fellowship uh, in, uh, in Florence. Florence. You can, you can see, see behind me that the, 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 the crowd's starting to grow. They're getting in, in uh, line, line for food. food. Hope Over Heroin, Heroin is a faith-based collaborative that also, that also brings, brings in resources from elsewhere to help the addicts overcome the grip that heroin has on their lives. Now, there's a concept here. So that's just a little snippet from the documentary that gives a little bit of the background, right? So I've mentioned... Heritage House is where we house these men, and any, anywhere up to 50 men at any given time. Hope Over Heroin was the outreach that started this whole thing. So Ohio is as bad as it gets when it comes to addiction problems, opioid crisis. Massachusetts is up there, and New Hampshire is up there as well. I mean, they're all like top three to five. They're all up there. So Ohio, back in 2014... There was one weekend where there was 18, 19 overdoses, whatever it was, and it was on the news, and it was just a bunch of these pastors came together and said, we have to do something about it. And again, our pastor, Billy, had, um, God spoke to him years before basically to buy a huge stage, and he had no idea why. He didn't know what it was for. He's got this huge stage. He's got this huge rig, and now, and, and they started these Hope Over Heroin outreaches, and basically what they did is they took this, these big stages and they went to the worst cities in Ohio, right where the drugs were. And they posted up these stages and they praised God and they preached the gospel into the places where nobody wanted to go. And the places where people in America over the last decade plus, we've thrown our hands up and said, what? There's more overdoses? I don't know what to do about that. I don't have any answers for these people. And they went in and they posted up at this stage back in 2014. This is before I was even out there. And the first Hope Over Heroin, Cody Jones, this guy Cody I was telling you about, he was the guy who came out of there. They went in and got at least, at least one person. I don't know. There, there's some other stories coming out of there, but they got one person who has now been raised up and has helped literally change the lives of thousands of people through, his, through, the, through the years, including people online like Tom and Mindy, but also the people that he manages at this uh, at Heritage House, right? So we were doing these Hope Over Heroin outreaches. They do a bunch of them, go into all these cities in Ohio and Kentucky. They've gone as, we, as far east as uh, Carolinas. We go up to North Dakota and South Dakota. We go to the uh, Native American reservations where it's the poorest places in America and post up this stage and preach, preach the gospel. And, and they were doing this for a while. And then it, let's go back to the making disciples. It's almost, I mean, it's good to be able to go into places and preach the gospel, but then what? You know, where's the follow-up? So that's when Heritage House was birthed, and we created this, um, this recovery program where we could bring men back and, and bring them into the program. And it is not, here's three months, do your time, get clean. It's not really a bait-and-switch, 
bait and switch, meaning, you know, the guys come in and they're like, this is, this is program 11. I just want to get clean. I just want to get clean. We're like, we'll get you clean. But more importantly, we're going to save your life eternally. We're going to tell you about Jesus. Jesus is going to change your life. That is how you're going to get off drugs. You're not coming in to get off heroin, to stop drinking. You're not really coming in for that. That is a byproduct of what is going to happen in your life. So, so we don't do a whole lot. We don't do 12 steps. There's nothing wrong with 12 steps. We don't do 12 steps. There's a line, there's a line in this doc, I want to play it in a minute here, where um, someone else associated with the program says, we believe in one step. It's one step to the cross, and that's it. And we bring these guys in, and we put them in church, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Friday night at one of our uh, friendly churches in northern Kentucky, Sunday morning, and they experience the presence of God. And the transformation is incredible. Because what happens with a lot of guys, and I, I just love their stories. We're, run, we're not running out of stories, but we put this documentary together, and there's, a, there's about five or six big stories in there. We started it three years ago. There's so many more of them. But the ones we hear are guys that sit in the back, and, and they do that for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then they finally step forward. They finally realize how broken they are. And that the only way they're going to get through the program, it's not just the program, the only way they're going to get clean for real is to make that step, is to make that sacrifice, is to come up to the altar and give it all up to Jesus. And that's when we see real life change. And the only way that we're able to give that to them is through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way to create change like that. Because I'm talking about people that were homeless, people that lived their whole life in jail, right? They've, they, they are as broken as it gets. We're not going to, we can't speak logic to them. You're not speaking to their brains and saying, hey, you should probably not do drugs. They know that. They're aware. They're very aware. Something has to change in their heart. Something has to change in their life. But somebody has to be able to give that to them. So when we come into our church services and the Holy Spirit's moving, we're trying to get our whole congregation to, to not just get theirs, right? But you're coming in to have your life changed so that you're equipped to then help change other lives. So that you're equipped to make disciples, and so going back to when I finally, when we decided to really go to City on a Hill, so I said, you know, I work in football. And the, the church we were going to before, that was really comfortable. Right? It was an hour service, and I knew when it was going to end, and I knew I was going to get back in time. Sunday at 1 o'clock is a pretty important time. <laughs> pretty important time for the NFL. So I was like, honey, we're going to go to the early service. I get settled in. I, you know, we'll get the food ready, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching football for 12 hours. That's my job. That's my job. It is. It's really my job. So now City on a Hill service starts at 11-ish. 11, 11.15, you know. Ends at about 1.30 to 2. And I'm over here, like, pulling my hair. Honey, it's football season. I got a job to do. I got 12 hours of football to watch. But that was what God needed to do in my life to pull, even though it's my job, like, I can... I can get away with missing kickoff, you know. 
But I had to learn that kind of the hard way that that was where we needed to be, right? And God called us to that specific place. Um, and I believe we all have those things, right? And there's, I think there's people in the church who just want to do that, who just want to come in, get theirs and go. I think there's people in the church who want to do a lot, maybe too much too soon. Maybe, you know, there's some people who probably walk in the first day like, oh, I could preach better than that guy. No offense. <laughs> I could preach better than that guy. Give me the mic. I'm ready. But I think both of those people, right, the person who wants to do everything right away, the thing I've learned through all of this, you move the kingdom forward through service and through serving. And when God opens the door, you run through it. You serve exactly where you are. And if you're like I was, comfortable church, come in, do my Sunday morning, check the box, something's got to stir up in you. It's, it, and again, it's, it's probably not in your headspace. Something's got to stir up in you where something changes. And only the Holy Spirit can create that change through your life where you say, I don't care, now I have to do something. I'm not just going to come in and, and be the consumer here. Now I'm going to take action. I'm going to be a part of what my community is doing, whatever it might be. And that's, it goes back to making disciples. And that's the goal of this entire thing. If it's not moving toward making disciples, what are we even doing here? Let's play, um, let's, let's play the Josh Willis video, if we can, please. You have to break the deception because there's such, such a bad, a bad model, model out there. there. They're, They're going, going after, after this, this target, target called, called drugs or alcoholism. Or alcoholism. And, I and I don't believe, believe that. that. See, See, there's, there's not, not a, special a special type, type of blood, blood for, for the, the addicts, addicts versus, versus the banker, the butcher, the, the doctor, the lawyer. All of them can show the Lord God. But because drugs have a life of their own, you know, you know, that, 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 that stigma, stigma is, is on that, that person. Well, I'm an addict. addict. It's, it's like, like they're, they're groomed, groomed to, to fail. You're going to relapse. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. that. I, don't I don't believe it. it. I, believe I believe the power of it. And, and, and the, the, the intrigue, intrigue for me was finding something that was greater than having to do this and this and that. I took one step to the cross of Jesus Christ, heard the gospel from an old pool hustler who had been converted, and the, and the power, power that, that changed, changed me that day. day. I, didn't I didn't cry. I couldn't, I couldn't laugh. laugh. I had that I had what they call they call flat. I'd spent three and a half years thought I was Jesus and Moses and the devil. devil. I, had, I, had I had this, this grandiose, grandiose delusion. delusion. So, when so when that, that power, power just, just subtly, subtly touched, touched my life, my life. And, and after the guy left, I broke my needles up, threw them in the garbage, dumped up my wine and beer, my pot. I had no idea what was going to happen the next day, but it imparted something into me that felt like it was going to last forever. So that's Pastor Josh Willis. He was kind of at the forefront of what we did with Heritage House, kind of passed it off to our guy, Pastor Billy. And what Billy did for Josh for years, Josh would have these services, and Billy would just go up and play the piano and serve he served him for years. So Billy had this vision in his head. He didn't know what to do with it. He spent like three years just showing up on Friday night serving. He's already a pastor. He was already a pastor, but he showed up serving this other pastor who had this ministry. And when the door opened, he ran right through it. He said, you know what? I can't do this. He, had good, this, he, he was running Good Samaritan Inn. And then Pastor Billy said, okay, you know, that's over. 
we're going to start Heritage House. And it was almost like a, a pretty smooth transition, all through service for the Lord. Amen? So, get calls from my church. They're, it's all falling apart, Kel. They're, we're not there to do announcements and everything. It's all falling apart right now. They'll be okay. <laughs> Cody's sick, and uh, Phil's doing announcements, by the way. I didn't get to tell you. Because we have the four kids running around all day today. You know, it's a lot going on. So I want to tie this all together. We have a documentary out that's going through a lot of these stories. My friend Cody that I've told you about, Phil, who's doing our announcements today, was an atheist before he came into our program. We bring in atheists. We bring in people that were uh, that grew up in church. We, we, we bring in, like, half the guys have been homeless. I mean, it is unbelievable. My friend, my friend Willie was homeless, and he stumbled out of his... Uh, friend's house one night in Cincinnati on the 4th of July and he heard our music playing because we had the stage set up in Cincinnati and we were handing out food because that's what we do is we bring, bring, bring our food, we bring our kitchen and he went and had a hamburger and his life's never been the same. I mean, he is, he is awesome. His story is incredible. My friend Frank is in the documentary. He went to a bridge. He went to a bridge a week before Mother's Day to end his life. And a week, a week later, they had an intervention and sent him to Heritage House. And he just got married last week, and he's got a family, and he's trying to start something. He's up in the Cleveland area. He's trying to start something in his, his hometown. And then there's my friend Randy. I can't even talk about Randy without crying sometimes. I want to play Randy's video, too, because he came in as an atheist. He came in. He was doing drugs when he was 12 as well. He was doing drugs with his dad. They were, he was stealing drugs from his dad. And Randy came in. I just want to hear from Randy really quick. Let's do that. Well, I walk into the house, house and, and my mom's, mom's walking, walking ahead, ahead of, me. of me. You know, you I, know had I had so many, so many thoughts running through my mind. mind. Should, Should I just leave? leave? Should, Should I tell her I want to go? go? Uh, um, you know, you we know, sat we down, down, we talked, we talked a while. Cody, Cody got, got, you know, you told me about the place. And then he said something that stuck with me is, you know, he looked at my mom, he said, you'll never... You'll never, You'll never have to see your son like that again. again. And, and from day, from day one, one, ever since, since that happened, that's, that's, that's what's, what's been, been my motivation, motivation that God has used Cody, Cody to, touch to touch my heart, heart to, be to be able to change, change my life and be able, able to change, change other people's, people's lives that come, that come in the house or that I come in contact, contact with. So that's Cody on the left. That's Randy. Randy now has adopted a child. He's in the process of, um, you know, full adoption of one child. And then there's two more little girls whose dad just overdosed a few months ago. Um, and Randy's had custody of them for a while and he's going to fully adopt them as well. So while there, w there's some tragedy that we've seen as well, we've seen men leave our program and through COVID there was a lot of it. They left the program. They wanted their 1200 bucks and then they were dead. And it's the seriousness of this. But it's not just the addiction. The thing that makes this work is the fact that we can look, and our, our guys, when, when I'm speaking at our church, they're all sitting on the left. And we look at the guys on the left and we say, it, it's, it's not the drugs. 
It's not the heroin. It's not the alcohol. It is sin. And the fact that no matter who's on stage or sitting over here, we can look at everybody and say the same exact thing. I don't care if you've been doing drugs since you were four years old. You have the same sin problem that I have. You have the same sin problem as everybody here. And we have the same solution as well. It is the power of the Holy Spirit changing your life radically and turning your face to Jesus. And that's it. So when we can look at them and say, because we get this, like, what do you say to a drug addict? You say, we're the same person. I've never done a drug in my life. I, only, I did some drinking. Some people do nothing. Some people do whatever. But you can look at them and say, we have the same problem. And it's a sin problem. And only Jesus can change that in our lives. And that's the power of what we can do. But it's going to take, it takes people to have that radical change themselves so that that's what they can give back. Because you don't have to relate to them. You only have to relate to them in one way, through the Lord. Think back of your story a little bit now. How many times has addiction in particular affected you? You know, I don't have the same stories as other people who were doing drugs when they were 12, but I grew up on a nice suburban cul-de-sac where uh, out of the 14 houses, we had an overdose and a death. We had two more of my friends addicted. I had a high school teammate overdose and die. I had a college baseball teammate, also Kelly's classmate, overdose and die. I had a professional teammate, professional baseball teammate, overdose and die. And I didn't live in the drug culture or anything like that, right? And so we've all had this at some point. And it's time for us to just, here's what I did for years when that happened. I just threw my hands up and said, it's sad, I don't know what to do. I don't have anything to offer them, right? Because I, you know, they, they kind of went their own way. They're, they're doing their own thing, or they're on the streets, or they're, they're working addicts, and you know, they're hiding it really well. My very best friend, right under my nose, addicted to heroin, and I didn't even know it. Uh, luckily, he went through teen challenges, and he's had his life changed as well. But this has affected all of us. But it all is sin. It's all sin. But we have to have an answer now. The world doesn't have answers for them. The world thinks that the answer for heroin is clean needles. As long as they have clean needles, they'll be okay. They're handing out clean needles in New York City, and they're saying, let the government take care of this. Keep doing your drugs. It's okay. I'll give you some clean needles, and it'll, it'll be fine. And that's their solution. I'm telling you right now, we have a solution. It has worked. And I can give you story after story of the men where it's worked. My friend Kurt and Randy and Willie and Cody and Garrett. You got to hear the story of my friend Garrett who spent two-thirds of his life, adult life, locked up. And he's wandering the streets of Price Hill in Cincinnati. So this is like, think of the worst part of Lawrence, the worst part of Lowell or whatever city around here. He's wandering the streets. And we do this weekly outreach where we bring food and we feed people and preach Jesus to them. And he spent an entire summer showing up, really because he didn't know where he was. He was homeless and wandering the streets. And he would show up and he would debate the people from our church because he had his own religion. 
It was all in his head. He figured it out in jail. He had his own religion. It was a little of this, a little of that, and he would debate why Jesus isn't real. Garrett had some answers, man. He had all the answers, even though his life was an absolute mess. But by the end of the summer, they kept inviting him, come to Heritage House, come to Heritage House. He finally took up the invitation. He was an absolute mess. I wish I did have the before picture. Absolute mess. He goes through Heritage House. You would never believe it if you saw him. The guy lights up a room with his smile. He can't stop smiling now. Garrett is, he can't stop telling people about Jesus. He won't stop. He went on a mission trip to Africa, two years after he had his own religion, homeless, on the street, after being locked up for two-thirds of his adult life. A mission trip to Africa, where he was seeing babies, believe it or not, babies raised from the dead. He was seeing people healed. He is not a preacher. He doesn't have a certificate. You don't need a certificate to lay hands on people and impart what God has done for you and your life. So I want you to meet all these people. So there's some of these stories. I want to tell you where the documentary is, and then I want to pray for people. We want to pray for people because I think there's something we can impart right here to the to people of this church, okay? And I want to tell you a little bit about where the vision is going. So the documentary is at Hope Over America on YouTube. So you search Hope Over America. The documentary is called Hope Is Here. We're trying to spread the word because I, it, it's over an hour. It's, a, it's lengthy, but you're going to get to meet Cody and Randy and Frank. Um, I didn't even mention my friend Craig, who was about to go to jail when we documented this thing. He's out. It was his mission trip going to jail. Um, amazing stories on, the, uh, on this channel. And we want to turn what used to be hope over heroin, which was very specific. And we're kind of calling that hope over America now. We believe we're called to go all across America. We have a vision that this fall, we want, we want to take that stage, go to Philadelphia. We're going to go to Connecticut, and we want to come up here, somewhere in Massachusetts or New Hampshire, somewhere up here. And we want to find the worst possible place. And we want to post up the stage. And, and the reason why the hope over heroin worked originally is they told everybody in the city, they told everybody, hope over heroin's coming to town. If you know somebody that's addicted, bring them here. Bring them here. This is the thing that's going to change their lives. That's what we want to do, is bring the message of Jesus all across America. And until in, in, we can bring people back with us to Cincinnati, if we have to, we can bring them into churches that will disciple them, whatever it takes, but that's where the vision's going. And we're just trying to spread the word that, hey, there is hope. There is hope over this thing. I'm not going to play the news clip. There's a news clip, too, that we had. What killed men 20 to 49, 18 to 49, more last year than anything else? Raise your hand if you think it was COVID. It was not. Overdose, fentanyl, drug addiction. Our young men are getting killed by addiction, and we don't have to throw our hands up anymore. We have something for them. We have hope for them, and the hope only comes through Jesus. Amen. Kelly, do you have anything? Kelly, 
Kelly usually, because she's got bullet points in her head, and if Steve misses one, every now and again, she's like, you forgot this one thing. What I've seen, the amazing change in my wife, the amazing change in my friends' lives, and it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Whether you're the person, I, I, I oversimplify this, whether you're the person that comes in and just wants to play church, or, when you, or you're the person that comes in and is motivated to do more. No matter what, you need the Holy Spirit to touch your life, to change you from the inside out. And when that happens, your desires change, right? Everything you want. I don't have to cringe as much about Sunday football. It's a silly example, but it was kind of like my vice, a stupid idiot vice. It's a lot different from heroin as a vice, but you've got these vices. You've got this story that has brought you here for a purpose. And it's not just so you can hear great preaching, great teaching. It's not just for that. It's so that God can change you from the inside out. And then you go out in Matthew 28, 19, make disciples. So I want to pray for people today with Kelly, Tom, Mindy, Pastor Daryl, can we pray? If anybody, if, if that's anybody in here, either you've, maybe you've been playing church. Maybe you just like to come in on Sundays, hear a good message, and go home. And you try to change things with your mind. I'll try to implement those, the bullet points this week. And it's tough to do. Maybe you are a world changer. You're, you're just something stirred up in you, and you want to do something more. But you can't do it on your own. Jesus said in John 5.30, I can't do anything on my own. Jesus said it. Jesus couldn't do anything on his own. He needed the Father. He needed the power of God. That's Jesus, the man, saying, I need God's power. So you might need that. Maybe addiction has affected your life personally, a degree away, two degrees of separation, whatever it might be. Maybe you need deliverance, whatever it is come up here. It's all here in this place today. And I believe, and we believe, there is hope for America. And every time somebody's scrolling on social media and it's all negative and it's all doom and gloom and you turn on the news and it's doom and gloom, it's taking you away from your purpose, which is to bring hope. The darker it gets, the more light is needed. And we are the light of the world. Amen? So I'm going to invite people to come up and get prayed for as we wrap things up.